You are listening to The Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 256, Hanging Out with the Uncanny Omar. exactly what the new old guy is i like that yeah um all right my dude you want to get started i've i've kind of been just recording our conversation as it was oh. but i'll edit it <laughs> okay. don't worry it's just you it's can, just it's just to make us get want. right into the to the natural flow of things i put a little intro at the beginning it's all good but omar okay. welcome back to the cave of solitude uh i always look forward to our our chit chats it's always fun to talk to you and to see your uh the actual backdrop live in the in the flesh as we speak instead of my the youtube videos i have to catch up on or sneak watching at work when i see that there's a new omnibus announcement i'm like what is it let me see let me skip through it let me get to this uh, how's it going on on your end in your world uh, it's going good man it's uh, weather's getting a little cooler down here in kentucky which is good it's mm-hmm. blazing hot this summer so getting into the fall Getting uh, a little cooler, a little skies are a little grayer, except today. It's nice and sunny. But things are going well, man. Thank you for asking. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to learn. It, it's always fun. And I had this uh, I had this idea based off of mm-hmm. a book that I bought from watching your channel. I saw the review. Um, mm-hmm. And I said to myself, after I read the book, I said, this might be a cool topic to have either with Omar or my pal Adam Chapman, who I think you've been on Comic Shenanigans recently. Mm-hmm. So I was like, who should I who should I share it with? And so I said, let me go to the omnibus guy. He'll have the answers. And so I want to what I wanted to do today was kind of do a, a top five. And if you've done this already on your show, I'm sorry for for repeating it, but I want to do a top. It's okay. Or maybe you could use it. I don't know if, if you've already done maybe. it. Maybe. So, maybe. So the idea was a top five comic book series of any kind that reads best. In omnibus format. In omnibus format. Okay, easy. Got it. Let's do it. Okay. So the one that I mentioned recently on the show that kind of made me appreciate reading it in the order that it was presented in an omnibus format was Grant Morrison's New 52 Superman. Because I didn't really like it reading it the first time out. I found it disjointed. I found I, I, I couldn't follow the even just waiting for trades. It felt like what's going on. But reading it in the order that it's presented in the book, I will say there's a few things to be desired as far as the design of the book. There's certain things they could do better. But reading it that way, I said, hmm, this book, I appreciate it differently. And I'm happy that I gave it another go round. It's not the best thing I've ever read. But it is a worthwhile Superman story to read. So it made me think of what might read better like this than if you try to collect it in other ways. So okay. Uh, so one of the th- things that people, my viewers, have been wanting to do me to do on my channel for a long time that I fought was uh, where to start reading certain characters, certain teams, or certain genres in comics. And I, I have this old man mentality of, no, you don't pick up a comic book. There's your first book. That's where you start reading Batman. You start reading Batman with the issue that's out today. And then you go back if you want to know more about him. But I have this old man mentality because that's the mentality that I grew up with of going to a comic book store or 
grocery store or pharmacy and picking up an issue of something new like Nova or Avengers. And that was my first issue introduction to these characters. Jump in. And then, yeah, the best jumping on point, right? right. Like that's, that's, that's what the kids are calling it. So now we have these beautiful things called collected editions. So the world's a lot different. It's not, it's easier. We have the internet too. Right. So it's so much easier for somebody to go, okay, well, here's a set of books that will get you into this character. Um, so with this, I started thinking about like, okay, I, I have done all in ones or best standalone graphic novels on my channel. Um, but what books read better in collected edition is a list I've actually been working on for the last year. Hmm. Not because like I put that much thought into it and I do. It's just that, Oh, it's Halloween. I got to come up with horror comics. Oh, it's Thanksgiving. I got to come up with, <laughs> I don't even know. You know, you know, it's like you start pushing things off yeah, and yeah. Uh, new, new books start coming in. There's catalogs, but there, it's always there. It's a list on my drive. Um, so I have a lot and it's just condensing them because, oh my God, I would love to do a top 50 list, mm -hmm. but I always try to limit myself. Kind of like what you do, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think it makes it so much more fun and much more difficult to say only five. Then you're like, holy crap. Yeah. Five. Then I have to omit a bunch. Um, and the list will change from time to time, depending on the mood. Right. Uh, but the one that I, I, I can think of right now that I know will be on my list and will forever stay on the list that's being reprinted next year is the Gotham Central. Mm. I think Gotham Central is so good. You don't want to put it down. It's, they're broken down into different um, story arcs, like the Dead Robin story arc, uh, or the Joker storyline. So they're not episodic. And the way that the omnibus has them all together, like you'll want to read from one story to another. One story arc could be about four or five issues to six issues. And from beginning to end, that book reads phenomenal. Like the best season or actually a couple of seasons of a tv show a cop tv show that you've ever seen it's wonderful and i love the fact that an omnibus is out i love the fact they're reprinting it for next year for new people that I haven't had a chance to read it and i think it reads wonderful all in one sitting when you when you read that book um who do you get more of a vibe from as far as leading the the way was it greg rucker or would you say it was brew baker oh it, it was definitely rucker Especially towards the end. Towards the beginning, you can see a lot of Ed Brubaker tropes in there. Uh, but towards the middle and towards the end, it, there's a lot of rucka, especially with the way that he was, well, I don't want to spoil what happens with some of the detectives, uh, that later on build yeah. into the uh, the crime Bible storyline and, and all the way up into like issues of Batwoman and things like that. Yeah, that that's one that I have in the four you know, thicker trades that came out for that kind of completes the whole series. But it is one that I've pre-ordered that reprint of, uh, of the omnibus, just because for the re same reasons you described it, when you read something as a whole, even though it's, it could be good separately or episodically, when you read mm -hmm. it as a whole, you really get the meal of what that, yeah. what that, what they had in mind, almost like this, this thing has to be seen as one. It has to be binge read. If you wait too far apart, you, you're gonna, you might lose a little bit of that texture of character. Like there's nothing wrong between like waiting between story arcs, Yeah. but it's between those issues. You don't want to wait because a month passes by, two months passes by, you've already forgotten what case they're on or right. what shift you're reading about because that book, the beauty of that book is that it's split day shift, night shift. It's yeah. wonderful. 
Um, another one for me that, that comes to mind was also something that uh, from your show I was encouraged to buy was um, mm-hmm. the Thanos Infinity Saga. The one okay. from uh, the more recent one that Jim Starlin did that had Alan Davis doing some yeah. of the artwork. And it was it was, for those that might have seen it in bookstores, it was these original graphic novel sized books of Thanos that didn't really fit into anything else that was happening in Marvel at the time. It was kind of its own thing. But when you read it in this omnibus format and all of the story is there, it's almost like those breaks between a year, it could have been enough to make you say, I don't really care of where that story is going for another $30 a shot, right? <laughs> well, when you get it in this right. format, you got a, a whole story from the creator of Thanos, and it's kind of giving you, I don't know, it's it's got the nostalgia to it. It's one of those ones, like, a, I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure or just one of those things that, that speak to me as far as my my enjoyment of Marvel Cosmic. But that was another one that I feel, if you get that in Omnibus, it, you might enjoy it a little more than reading it separately. <clears throat> okay, okay, I see that. There are some years apart in between those. Yeah, I remember, well, because you have the appearance of Thanos, and then, you know, you have issues in there of Captain Marvel and uh, Warlock, right? Yeah, Kim- yeah. Starlin's Warlock, which hasn't been collected properly. And, you know, that one actually doesn't, that one did, I wouldn't even have thought of that one. That's interesting that you you put it in there. Way to break the list, man. That's awesome. <laughs> not break it in a bad way. Break it. Uh, let's break it in, right, with with books that not a lot of people would add on their list. It's a good one. So like, I think with this list, and that's the other thing, too, whenever I do lists, it's like, I don't want to be cookie cutter, like, mm-hmm. Everybody's going to have this on their list, of course. Everybody's going to have Watchmen because, honestly, Watchmen does belong on that list. It, yeah, it, yeah, it does work yeah. better in one, you know, complete collection. Uh, so I try to think outside the box. So going with yours, though, I like that. I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to change some things up. All right. For me, um, oh God, this is a tough choice, but I'm going to have to go with my heart and go with Astonishing X-Men. That was going to be on my list. That was, was almost, it? Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. almost on my list. It was either yeah. that or new Mut- or new X Men. It was either it was between both of those. Morrison's new X Men changed the lineup a lot, changed a lot of the storyline, introduced a lot of new elements, introduced you know the whole mutant town and uh, the the second mutation made Emma Frost a big part of the X Men. But Joss Whedon to me just brought it back home to what X Men is supposed to be, and I think him returning those classic costumes back to the characters and taking it back home. It felt like coming home to me. So Mm -hmm. I I love that. And from beginning to end, and I know (laughs) because I was buying those single issues as they were coming out, the delays really killed that book for a lot of people so much. So, I mean, they had to delay the final issue. Like we, without going into spoiler territory, we knew something happened to Kitty pride because Mm -hmm. Matt Fraction was already working on his uncanny X-Men and Kitty Pride was missing and nobody talked about it because that final issue of Giant Size Astonishing X-Men hadn't come out yet. Right. But, I mean, luckily now people have the opportunity to read the whole thing in one format and that's coming back into print. It was supposed to come out later this year, but I think it's going to be pushed back until next year. 
that was one of those those early uh, omnibus purchases in the, during the pandemic when I really got into the hobby that I said that is worthy to have on your shelf cover to cover. So that <clears throat> as, as well as uh, something like Uncanny X Force, having that mm-hmm. in, under one cover is one of the <clears throat> most worthwhile things I think you can can spend your money on for a comic collection because you're going to be you're going to get a satisfying beginning middle middle and end and even though there's there's a portion I would say in an uncanny x-force four issue four or five issues that kind of slow down a little bit it doesn't complete it's not enough to to not want to finish that entire book and to get the right. fullness of it <clears throat> yeah I agree um so yeah, absolutely. Astonishing X-Men. It was a hard choice between that or New X-Men because I feel the same about New X-Men, but I think Astonishing hit me more than New X-Men did. And how long was the delay? Because I wasn't on that book. When it was, yeah, what, uh, there, yeah. was, there was a lot of delays. Uh, the first six issues, the first six issues came out solid. Then between issues six and seven, it was a few months. And then it was just a, a thing that it was like two months. I want to say it was almost half a year between the final issue, the finale and issue 24. Cause it was issue 24 and then it wrapped up with giant size astonishing number one. Right. Same thing happened with, um, another one that almost made my list, which is uh, old man, Logan. <laughs> they released issue the, the, the next chronological publishing issue number. And, um, before the story wrapped up, so they were already going with the story outside of Mark Miller and Steve McNiven's Old Man Logan. And then they were given the ability to wrap up their story with, uh, what's it called? The giant size Old Man Logan. Oh, I didn't. So Old Man Logan, outside of the McNiven and Millar story, that series continued after their their story? Well, no. Well, so that series took place in the Wolverine ongoing series. Okay. So... In order for them, Marvel, to keep publishing Wolverine monthly, they were like, hey, guys, you guys have fun. Go and finish out your story. Have a giant size or an annual, you know, and we'll put it in there. But we have to continue. We have to keep uh, Wolverine going. And it made sense for that, right? Like, that was an alternate reality, alternate possible future. Whereas Astonishing X-Men, that was a big, crucial part of, of the story, one of the main characters, so was that leading the book at the time? Was Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men the, the X-Men book? Or was it something that was like a, a special event because it was him and John Cassidy at the time? Because you usually think of Uncanny <laughs> X-Men, right? As, as the book. The flagship title? Yeah. Well, Claremont, it was, it was an amazing time to be a X-Men fan. Uh, it was just announced that Claremont was going to take over Uncanny X-Men. I was so happy because it was... <laughs> <laughs> Extreme X-Men had get, it, it had wrapped up and it was Claremont's return to the title again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joss Whedon was coming in of Buffy fame, of Firefly f- fame. Not a lot of fans of Firefly at the time. The DVD had just about came out, but not a lot of sales. You know, Firefly caught on later on as the C- like, I think everybody, I know everybody that was a friend of mine got the Firefly DVD set for Christmas that year <laughs> when it came out. Um, <laughs> can't stop the signal man so it was a big i'll tell you what it was a big deal because joss whedon was supposed to have taken over new x-men but it was such a big deal that they said you know what no no you get your own title we're gonna it's joss whedon he's huge he's buffy 
let's give him a, his own title. So they gave him Astonishing X-Men. They came up with a brand new title called Astonishing X-Men. New X-Men went back to the original title of just adjectiveless X-Men, and they gave it to Chuck Austin. <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> that's a that's story that doesn't the, seem the to Chuck ever Austin, change. The Chuck Austin wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad in adjectiveless X-Men. <laughs> I think he had already done a lot of damage and uncanny. By the time it, he came over to Adjectiveless X-Men, it was... I actually liked the team. It was Havoc and Juggernaut, Polaris, Sammy, the fish boy. Yeah. <laughs> that era. That's so funny because it's, it's, uh, it's the joke that never one gets old, but there's never a different... No one has a different take. Where it's like, you know, I actually really like that Chuck Austin X-Men. I think I've met a couple of people online that really enjoyed it. And I, uh, my response is always the same. Well, awesome. Who am I to judge? I love Avengers The Crossing. I know it's horrible. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I think it's great that people have a difference of opinion. Yeah. Okay, you got so it. So what, what would your next one be, man? Okay. So some of the things that make my list are not necessarily the most critically acclaimed, like you must have this because it's that good for the list to go back to the Thanos infinity saga. So something that I was surprised that they made an omnibus and I, I bid on it just because it was so like, wow, they, they really feel confident enough to make this entire thing collected. And that's the masters of the universe omnibus. Oh yeah. That's a great book. And it's, it's such a, it's such a bold thing to do to make that into an omnibus because it pat and they put everything in it. And you realize, because I remember reading uh, during New 52 era, the crossover with Justice League and Masters of the Universe, because it was like childhood nostalgia. Let me, you know, watch yeah. a Saturday morning cartoon. Did they, did they put that in there? The Injustice League? It, Masters? It, it's it's not the Injustice League. It's the, the it was Justice the League Justice League. League. Yeah. And they did like this crossover in maybe 2013, 14, something like that. Six issues. And I didn't realize that it was part of an overarching story that was taking place in the masters of the universe series so everything that's in that book pretty much is a, is a whole epic saga and it's and and it does feed into that saturday morning cartoon feel where these are like you know it's a toy brand come to life but they make uh they give it a lot of i don't know what the right word would be but they they give it roots they make all the characters have a history that you'd be invested in. It's not like, oh, Skeletor is just the bad guy. and this. It's like, oh, that's their story? Or this is the real bad guy of this Masters of the Universe universe? Like, I didn't know all of these histories where you now feel like you're part of a Star Wars, Lord of the Rings sort of Conan epic. And it's... Um, it's not the greatest thing I've ever read, but there's a lot of good in there too. And it's an omnibus that if you do want to read Masters of the Universe, if you like the, you know, the Kevin Smith cartoon that was on Netflix, it's worth having. It's worth checking out, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really enjoy that omnibus. It's so underrated. It reminds me a lot of Conan. It's yeah. got a lot of, not, not that much mature themes, but it definitely has mature themes to it. It's like a grown-up version of the Saturday morning cartoon. Um, yeah, and that reminds me of one that I know made my list. Um, I don't know if I'll keep it in there or not, but for this episode, I am. <laughs> that's uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers by Kyle Higgins. Okay, because if it had not been for that beautiful deluxe hardcover year one, I would have never have read it. Because I don't, 
I'm a little bit older than the generation that watched uh, Power Rangers. Like my brothers, they're younger than I was. Uh, it was in I was in high school when that was coming out, and I had already seen things like that growing up in Peru, like Ultra Seven and Ultraman. So I had no other than the giant robots. I had no and the cute girls in it. I had no business watching that show. Right. Uh, so it never meant anything to me. So I have friends that really enjoy it and and loved it. And then you know, Boom announced they were doing this. And my friend, who's a big Power Ranger fan, so I never take anything he says seriously. It's like me saying, this is the greatest X-Men story ever, written by Chuck Austin. You need to check it out. Uh, he was like, no, I'm serious. Dude, I know you don't like Power Rangers. You need to read it. <laughs> he gave me a trade paperback of the first uh, six ish, five issues, I think. And I never got around to reading it, and I felt so guilty. So I made it up to him. I said, I'm going to buy myself and you a copy of this hardcover because I feel bad. I never read this. You gifted me this. So I got year one, and it it was awesome. It blew me away. I had no reason to like that book as much as I did. And if it had not been for that year one deluxe edition hardcover, I never would have read it. And I feel like a lot of people are in the same boat. I feel like a lot of people read it because of that hardcover. And the way it, it kind of reminds me of what you said a little bit earlier, the way that Kyle Higgins writes Power Rangers is not the way that they were written, but it's the way that he remembers them. Mm. As a kid, he remembers them being written this epic, more mature way. And I feel like that's the same thing with He-Man. The, the, the thing that works with the He-Man, the hook of the He-Man book is that it's not the Saturday morning cartoon. It, it's not that cartoon. It's not hokey. It's not cheesy. There's a lot of depth in there. And it's like the writers that grew up with these cartoons or this live action TV show decided to write the way they remember it. And I think that's sometimes that's, that's what's wrong with some of these uh, movies, these comic book movies. These people didn't grow up reading these stories and they're like, hey, let's make a Venom movie. This guy seems pretty cool. He's like a black costume Spider-Man with teeth. Uh, whereas, you know, and I'm not saying all comic book movies, some really do get it, Some and some grew up with the stuff. But I feel like that's really cool. Like if a writer grew up with this stuff and they start writing it the way they remember it, the payoff is so much better. So yeah, absolutely. Power Rangers. You know what I've been, uh, the Power Rangers I've been tempted to, to get into, but I've heard so many good things about it that I know once I start, I'm going to have to have the whole, like <laughs> buy a new shelf because if I start with that one, I know that, um, I don't know if you've read them. I think you have them on your shelf, but the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that was relaunched uh, in the 2000s. Oh, the, the IDW stuff. Oh. What? Yeah. So good. Really good stuff. I'm wondering if they'll ever come out with a compendium for those because those, those are good books. And they take I know every- that they were, they were going to. I don't know if they still are or not. Yeah, those would be nice because the, the, the hardcovers that they have are, are nice sets, but they can be a little pricey for the amount that you're getting in them. And it's a bit of an investment. But the, um, to get those in some nice compendiums would be kind of cool because that's a great – it's all finished now. I'm not sure. Or is it still ongoing? Oh, well, okay. So it, it's getting revamped. Um, okay. As it, what is it called? Power. I'm, I'm getting it mixed up with uh, Spider Man. Spider Man Beyond. It's TMNT something like. It, it's under Sophie Turner now. Not Sophie Turner. Sophie Campbell. Mm-hmm. Turner's the girl from Game of Thrones and Jean Grey. Bad Jean Grey. <laughs> uh, Sophie Campbell. She's doing uh, all of it now. 
and okay. it's called something else. But I think they're still going to continue the hardcovers because I know she did a cover for Volume Fourteen. It hasn't been officially announced yet, though, and it's Allopax. Yeah, it's always interesting to see them take um, a, a, a property that had glory once upon a time and try to get it to fit in today's world. And sometimes it works amazingly well. And I and I've heard nothing but good things about the Power Rangers comic as well as yeah, and what I've read from the Ninja Turtles. I've read I think up to it was like Trade Nine. I had them all. And I, I didn't drop it because it sucked. It's just like, okay, I don't know how much further I'm going to be able to collect these, but it's really good stuff. And you wouldn't think that it would uh, catch on necessarily, but at the, at the same time, why not? Yeah. I, just wanted, I always make it my job to let people know about these lesser known series. And then once they, tie, they start taking off, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of lay low a little bit. Like I think I did that with Berserk. Like, I remember wanting to do more Berserk videos, and then I started noticing the books. I remember my contact at Dark Horse messaged me saying that the first book is gone. She's like, uh, she said, I saw your video. It performed really well, and then it's <laughs> gone before it's even hit the market. I was like, awesome. <laughs> I love letting people know. I'm not a hipster about the things that I enjoy. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't make me feel special if less and less people know about it. Yeah. The way I see it is the more people know about it. The, more the better off it. I am. I get more things that way. Right? I, I think the same thing. Like, why wouldn't you want more omnibus of that series? It has to be popular for people to, you know, you don't want it to sell out in the sense that it it, be, it, it loses its value. But if we if it's popular, it's not a bad thing for more people to know. Exactly, I agree. right? Yeah, I agree. Um, is, it, is it your turn or my turn? I think... Uh, I said Power Rangers. Okay. Um, going back to John Cassidy, uh, I don't think there's any better way to read this than in in its full glory, whether it's two absolutes or in an omnibus, but that would be planetary. Uh, yeah, good. That's a good one, man. That, I think that was on my list too. That's a really good one. And it, whether you're paying full cover price for it, and I'm sure you can find usually find it for a discounted price, it is one of the most worthwhile things, I think, to own in a book collection whether you like comics or not, because it's it's a love letter in many ways to all sorts of different forms of fiction, science fiction throughout throughout time, throughout history. And uh, it, it kind of blends a little bit of everything together to give you this full on story that at the end of it, you're going to you're going to have to think about a little bit and, and then you'll want to reread it. But I but I think the way it was originally published, from what I heard, you were waiting years for the next issue to come out. That, that's another one that got huge delays. But then that wasn't just the artist. That was both the artist and the writer. Right. Working on other projects. And, I mean, there, there's a lot of books like that. Yeah. Uh, I think I think I got used to things like that just because I read manga. <laughs> mm. <laughs> manga mm. has a tendency to break your heart with a lot of the... Uh, <laughs> hiatus that they have whether it's a manga uh, or whether it's the publisher themselves mm-hmm. wanting to take a break yeah so um, I, I got I've gotten used to that that's for sure were you reading planetary as it was being released initially? no I was okay. I was not but I know that it had several delays so what was uh, – do you like that book yourself or – Oh, gosh, it, yeah. Okay. I love that book. That's top three favorite Warren Ellis stories, man. It's it's wonderful. 
What and when you read it the first time, what was the format that you encountered it? I had the the trades. Yeah, and then uh, I skipped on the first absolute edition. I have the omnibus, and I'm still like, oh, should I get the absolute because it's gorgeous and that artwork deserves to be in this big format. So I don't know. I'm still on the fence about it. While well, it's still in print, I'll probably decide when it goes out of print. The th- the cool thing I like. Luck. The cool thing I like about that book is is as you're reading the actual story, uh, the book itself becomes very meta in a way. The one you're holding in your hand, because the yeah. book design of it because it's the design of the book. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a cool it's one of those cool books to just own simply for that. Like it's a, it, the book design of it is worthwhile in and of itself. So, Planetary's up there, definite omnibus own and best read in in its totality. Omar, you're next. Infinite Crisis. Mm. Infinite Crisis is my favorite, favorite crossover at DC. It's my favorite event. I was reading it as it was coming out. Um, What's interesting about the, and one day I hope they do this, about the collections, ever since it's been, it was available in trade paperback format and in the Lux hardcover is that they redrew a few of the pages, <laughs> like uh, especially the the big spread page at the end when it shows the the heroes for the new era for for the one year later. Uh, the original issue number seven had different like different characters, hmm. and a lot of that had to do with the editors probably didn't know the route they were going to go with characters like Captain Marvel, which is Sam, uh, or there was a new Batwoman there and people were wondering who she was. So they mm-hmm. took her out. The design of her looked a little bit different. Uh, but honestly, that book is so awesome. And that is a perfect example of a collection uh, edition editor doing his job perfectly, his or her job, taking the time not to just, you know, I, one of my pet peeves when it comes to collected editions is, when an editor decides, okay, let's make this uh, the Spider-Man omnibus. We'll take these three trade paperbacks, glue them together. And poof, there you go. Mm. Easy, set, done. Uh, yeah, but when it comes to crossovers, you have to, you know, put yourself in there. You have to say, okay, what would be the best reading experience? Which is one of my favorite things that I enjoy about the Transformers collections. I don't know if you've been getting those, the IDW stuff. No, they're not good things. They're not collected in publishing order. They're collected in chronological order. So if a story, so it all starts with Megatron origin, which took place millions of years ago. Mm. Like you don't even see the infiltration storyline until volume two, I think. But back to Infinite Crisis, somebody took their time and said, okay, this one shot took place between issues four and five. We need to put this issue of Teen Titans annual uh, in between issues five and six of Infinite Crisis, because that's where it's best read. Now, there's a little overkill with that. Flashpoint, for example, I think is completely overkill. There's all these miniseries, and there's 16 issues in between issues four and five. Mm. Like, that's too much. Like, right. you've got to beat somewhere down the middle, right? Like, I, I want somewhere in between uh, something like uh, Absolute Carnage, which has like one issue in between where it should have had at least three. And something like Flashpoint. So that's why I think Infinite Crisis is 
perfect. There's just a couple of issues, the necessary issues, the, the important issues in between ish, issues of the main event. So it is a better reading experience if you're reading it in collected edition and omnibus format than if you were to get all these single issues mm-hmm. and go, okay, I can read this miniseries first, which leads into this. When does this one shot take place? Yeah. Do I yeah. wait until, oh, it's top notch, man. Whoever did, I can't, that guy or that lady that's not get enough props. Do you prefer, um, I know when I'm uh, talking to my, my pal Adam, when he talks about the omnibuses that he likes, it's the, um, a complete story, an event. Everything is that you need to know for this story is here in this bound volume as opposed to an ongoing, you know, Amazing Spider-Man number six. Now you're married to possibly getting who knows how many of those. But when you get Secret Wars or Infinite Crisis, those are the best read in omnibus form. What For you, do you have a... Do you like events better in omnibus form or are there uh, runs as well? Is it equal equal ground? Uh, equally. Like, I want everything in, in great order. Like, mm-hmm. as long as it's all complete, not missing issues. One of my biggest pet peeves, but I understand why they do it, <laughs> are these um, creator-centric books. Like Roger Stern's Omnibus. I love it. It's my favorite. It's probably one of my favorite Spider-Man Omnis I have. Top three for sure. But there's missing issues in there that because Uncle Raj didn't write them. When am I going to get those? Where can I get those? Uh, and I know epics are, you know, yeah. they'll fill in the gaps, but I want everything. I don't want to skip issues. Uh, and I'm sure when they redo it, if they reprint it, but Frank Miller's Daredevil, missing that one issue because it was a fill-in issue by Steve Ditko, kills me every time I go back and reread it. It, it bugs the hell out of me, man, and because I'm a completist. I don't care if it's bad. Let me make that judgment call. Well, it's kind of like with the it, it's like the JLA from Grant Morrison. Oh right? lord, it's yeah, like you could have yeah. just put those in there. Just Creator put it in order. Centric. Yeah, it's a little bit Come too on. much. Did it? Would it? I, I I haven't read those missing issues in the order that they were published. No, they don't. But do they really <laughs> yeah. throw the story out of whack? No, not that, at all. That's what I mean. But. As the reader, you let me make the judgment call. Mm-hmm. I always tell my, my wife always, uh, I always go back to her when uh, talking about, you know, uh, stories like uh, she had just, she was on Uncanny X-Men volume two, the omnibus, and she stopped reading it. And I said, what, what's going on? She's like, oh, I don't know. Just this one issue didn't do it for me. And it was the man thing issue, which is right after she had just finished reading the Dark Phoenix saga, one of the greatest comics of all time. And, you know, Days of Future Past. And then we get to man thing. And I remember saying, like, how are you going to appreciate the good stories if you don't go through the bad ones? Yes, Claremont wasn't always a hit, but they're necessary. They add uh, more character development, especially the Cyclops in that particular issue. But yeah, I, I feel the same about missing issues, orphaned issues. This bothers me because we're in a, I, a completely different time of collected editions. Um, I remember taking a gamble two years ago when David sent me a list of books and the mappings and Excalibur one was originally called Excalibur by Chris Claremont and Alan Davis omnibus. And I, I, that was the very first time that I emailed him and I said, I, 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 I said, I love this list. People are going to be so happy with new mutants and Excalibur. And I said, but I think we're lit. I said, 
but I think we're in a time where Excalibur Volume 1 would sell just as much, if not more, than Excalibur by Chris Claremont and Alan Davis. Because if they people will have hope that a Volume 2 will come out one day. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I said, at the end of the day, you guys decide what you want to do. I will promote it. You know, I'll announce it. You guys, it's your call. But I think we're in a different time now of collected editions. Right. And he immediately emailed me back. <laughs> was so scared over that email because I was like, oh my God, he's going to be like, what do you know? Right, um, right. This is my decision. <laughs> uh, but no, he was cool. He was like, I completely agree. I'm going to go ahead and get them to change it. So they changed it to Excalibur Volume 1. Book went out of print. So hopefully it'll get a reprint. Now we got a Volume 2. Because I, like I said, it goes back to that creator-centric omnis are cool if the creator is somebody like Joss Whedon or Grant Morrison didn't miss an issue right you can have the whole run up there but if it's something you know like Chris Claremont Alan Davis where Chris Claremont left and then Alan Davis didn't come back until issue 42 like you're gonna miss a huge gap granted there's not a lot of great stories in between them but I think you know you owe it to your fans that have been faithful with getting these stories with volumes one, volume two to, to put them back in there. And I think you're right though. Let, let me decide because yeah, I think it's up to the, to the reader. Absolutely. I was reading the Peter David, uh, incredible Hulk volume two omnibus. And there's a, there's a number of, um, skippable things when it comes to like the annuals, right? There's a couple oh, of yeah, guest yeah. features where I'll read the main story. I'll flip through what, but if it's not going to be completely essential to what's going on in the main story, it's not going to kill you. Or you, you, there was a crossover where we got one part of it. I, I forget, it was something to do with Atlantis and Rick Jones. And I just read the summary. I'm like, okay, that's good enough. But let me decide. Going back to what you yeah, said. absolutely. Put, put it all there. Whatever came out with this book, I'm clearly invested in it. I'm not just... Don't don't leave things out for the sake of well that guy didn't write it well most likely something happened there that is part of the story, so yeah, I'm with you on that. Absolutely, man. Is it is it my turn now? Uh yeah, go for it. Yeah, okay. Um, so for this one, um, I was trying to think outside of the box and come up with a book that, especially since it's Halloween season, mm-hmm. like what's a good book that i did not want to put down uh and it's the dark arc have you heard about this no it's colin i I really enjoyed this i I couldn't put it down and i'm so glad that they decided to collect it in a big hardcover format so it's the story about the other arc like you know like noah took all the good animals all the beautiful animals that god wanted him to take yeah 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 this other arc is full of all these mythical creatures all the evil creatures that well, there's a lot of spoilers I don't want to say, but yeah, there's a yeah. murder mystery in there. It's really good, and it's really fun, and it's a page-turner, and I didn't want to put it down. So uh, it was released in trade paperback format, and honestly, I had forgotten about it until they announced last year they were going to do – it was released last year – a complete collection, a hardcover collection, and every single issue is in there. I think there was a follow-up series, too, that's collected in the Colin Bunn uh, horror anthology – but the main story, all of it, is collected in this hardcover. It's freaking awesome, man. It's a lot of fun. And when did this come out? Um, originally, it came out a few years ago in, in single-issue format. Okay. But the complete collection came out last year in hardcover format. And But it's still available for people to get their hands on. 
Yeah, and it's from Aftershock Studios. Very cool. Uh, are you a big fan of the horror genre? Absolutely, man. Yeah. Whether it's movies or, or stories. Well, not so much novels anymore. I don't have that much time. Uh, but comics, yeah. I'm actually, I've been reading so much of it right now. I usually do a reading order every month, and I'm like, oh, my God, I don't think I have enough time to, to do a reading order this month. So, uh, But, yeah, I've been doing a lot of horror reading, whether it's for my hidden gems or it's current stuff that I'm reading. Do you got a favorite go-to for, for that genre? Uh, I have 13. <laughs> I did a list <laughs> last year of my top 13 favorite yeah. horror comics. Uh, Tales from the Crypt, best thing you'll have in your library. Tales yeah. from the Crypt, Onto Fear, and Vault of Horror. Best easy easy comics set the bar so high for phenomenal storytelling, wonderful artwork, and just uh, and to do it all in just standalone anthologies, amazing. Do your do your girls have a a thing for for horror too? My oldest daughter, yeah, yeah. she loves. We're watching Psycho. Uh, we had to stop last night because she had to go to school, and I'm like. Come on, mom. Mm. My wife was like, "No, no. Oh. like, all right, fine." So what? What is? You just, just got to the twist. Oh the main, man! You know the main character. Um, so she, yeah. So she's also read a lot of. What did she read recently? Uh, she was reading Trick or Treat. It's a new anthology based on the movie. It's actually pretty fun. Uh, she loves Junji Ito. Stray Dogs is what she read. I'm like, I don't know if you're gonna like this, baby, because. And it's got a little bit of animal cruelty in there, mm. uh, but then she really enjoyed it. Yeah, so she likes the horror genre. What is I think the, most kids these days love Junji Ito though. What What's Junji Ito? What is that? He's a manga ka, the manga creator. Okay, uh, he's the one that did uh, Uzumaki. Okay. He did uh, Tomie. Uh, he did Gyo. Uh, every year he comes out. I don't know how this man comes out with so much horror. Uh, but his, his stuff, you'll see kids wear, like, I don't know, if you guys have Hot Topic, right? Yeah. Like, his, t- his t-shirts, like, you'll see a creepy girl on it. It's more than likely a Junji Ito drawing. I see a bunch of kids wearing it. Ten years ago, it would have blown my mind to see a bunch of teenagers with Junji Ito designs on a t-shirt. But what is happening? But now it's just, like, a common thing, man. Yeah, I'm seeing people with uh, berserk tattoos now at work, and I'm like, do you even, do you, what is <laughs> you that? even berserk, man? <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> it, I, and I'm not, I, I know of the book and I know how well regarded it is, but I'm seeing people with tattoos on them and I'm like, man, this, these, these things are just everywhere now. You don't know what is reaching the masses anymore. What you thought was uh, a niche thing, even popular within the, our own niche is now like penetrating pop culture, <laughs> right? It's ending up in hot topics. Absolutely. Okay. Um, a pick of mine that I think would kind of be similar to yours in regards to the infinite crisis in how it's presented to you as you read it. Uh, it's going to be a cheat because I'm going to include two books, and I know one of them you you've uh, you've highly regarded on your omnibus list, but it's uh, Annihilation. Annihilation. Yeah, Conquest. good choice, good choice, man. Because I tried to see if I could read what's in those books by collecting the trades individually, and what is the point? Everything is put there in such a well-placed order to get the whole story and to see how this entire part of the Marvel Universe, is. it seems so much bigger and more important than what may have been going on in a Civil War or whatever was happening on quote-unquote 616 Earth. You've got this entire DNA story taking place that just continues to grow and, and goes into the War of Kings and Guardians of the Galaxy and it's... Those books, not even including the War of Kings portions of it, it's a great place to read 
all of these different series that you may never know you might like a lot. And, and honestly, I would have cheated and said all five books. Yeah. <laughs> I would have said all, all of them. <laughs> I haven't read all of them yet. They're that good. I, I love those books, man. Do you feel that that's, that's a definite set? If once you start on that path, just go all the way with it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, the highlight was Annihilation Conquest. I love Annihilation Conquest. I think that was the biggest, like, <laughs> that was awesome. It didn't get better than that. Um, it kind of, I mean, I think most people would agree, it kind of slowed down after War of the Kings, you know, by the time we got to the Thanos Imperative. But it was still great. The the character interactions and the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Nova book was just solid, especially if you were a fan of Nova during his New Warriors days. Oh my gosh. So good, man. Did they that's one series just from DNA, right? Dan Dan Abnett and uh Andy Lanning. It's collected in the well, two trades. Uh, oh yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the whole thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you can't really get the most of that series without reading everything else that he's doing in those other books, really. Right, and you want to. You want to. And I think that's the way they market it, too. Yeah. Because I I found a copy of the Guardians of the Galaxy omnibus that it has the whole series, Thanos Imperative, everything in it, but it's recollected in the War of Kings, Realm of Kings, Prelude, all of that stuff is there, too. So it's almost designed to you have to read it this way or you're going to be missing something or am i am i incorrect on that no you are right man okay absolutely so definite better in omnibus format the dna cosmic sagas oh yeah so that all kicked off with annihilation with uh that was uh mainly keith giffen right yeah, and then DNA did a couple of the mini series, and then by the time Annihilation Conquest came out, they were just they were doing Nova, they were doing everything just about. That's a good choice, man. That was that's honestly was going to be one of mine. Oh, but to wrap my list up, yes, yes, I'm going to go with Kingdom Come, and huh. Kingdom Come reads better. As, I mean, you are reading a novel when you're reading all four of these prestige format issues in one sitting. It's phenomenal. Now they often give uh, Mark Wade even gives Alex Ross the credit for that story. Oh, there it's it's but it's honestly if you've read like Thy Kingdom Come, yeah. the follow up through JSA, it's still not that magic. And if you've read The Kingdom, yeah, the follow up by Mark Wade, not that magic. It's lightning in a bottle. Yeah, and holy crap, it's so good. It's so beautiful. It's so perfect. That's beginning to end. It's the one of the greatest DC stories ever. It's undeniable. It's like it's almost undeniably good. Even if you even if you want to be subjective or, you know, just say, ah, it's just not for me. From an objective point of view, it, it just does it. It captures the magic <clears throat> comic books is designed to. I feel. Yeah. Uh, did you read that when it came out? Mm-hmm. I was. That was one of my last hurrahs before I left comics for. A number of years uh, was re- I was working at the comic book store um, and even though I was a bigger Marvel fan I knew mm-hmm. a lot about the DC universe because of working at that store a lot of my customer a lot of the customers were big DC fans and they would like suggest books and uh, I, I miss those days but hmm. uh, I, yeah man when it was coming out it was unprecedented because 
he had done Marvels, right? Mm-hmm. And Marvels was beautiful. But me, I've always been a sucker since Days of Future Past for possible futures. Like, mm. I'm, I'm a sucker for that type of story. I don't care how many times I see it, how crappy it is, how crappy it's been done. It's still fun. Right. Just because it's fair. It Anything goes. It's fair game. Right, right. Nobody's safe. Mm. Anybody could, could get off. And, man, that story was so good. And while I, you know, while we had marbles, to me, the painted stuff was just nothing looked better than Superman. Like that was the most realistic Superman I had ever seen. Cause you know, he's not like bodybuilder strong. He's like farm strong Superman. Like what a guy would actually look like if he had, if he had been working on a farm his entire life. And Oh, Diana is absolutely gorgeous in that. And just the story it's, it's phenomenal. And it's one that you won't, you don't want to stop reading. You'll read it from cover to cover and it's better collected in, in a absolute format, trade paperback, hardcover, deluxe edition. It's gorgeous, man. Yeah. It, it is one of those things where even when they try to re reinject that into the story, but whatever they're doing now, it might be a cool trope, but it'll never, it'll never maximize what that original story accomplished made you think about and, and the symbolisms of what the idea of what these characters represent. It was almost like the original civil war, if you will, between comic book characters where you had friends on opposite sides in order to accomplish a, a goal that you didn't even under, completely know what they were fighting for necessarily. Like you knew, but you didn't know which side was the side of the angels. Right. Yeah. No, it was a good one. Alex Ross, man. That's the guy. Yeah. So what are you reading now? Uh, my last one? Um, yeah. Okay. This was one that I had read I had read portions of it, but I didn't know how much I would love it. And that's uh, Green Arrow, Longbow Hunters, Omnibus by Mike Grell. I knew that it was oh, well regarded. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Okay. And it's just a page turner. I, I didn't realize how to finger to the pulse... Mike Grell was and how kind of timeless the story is because I'm reading it in today's world, like in our time. And a lot of the topics are still relevant. A lot of the feelings and motivations of people are still relevant. And you get, I was always under the impression that they were forcing the Arrowverse to be too much Batman, <laughs> yeah, to be too yeah. Batman-like. And it always, it, I, for for what I liked about it, reading this, I said, oh, I see. Mike Grell really did a definitive version, and they paid a lot of homage to what he had put into these books. Now, it's, it's different. They're different things, what they all come down to, but that original, that first season of Arrow where he is this vigilante where he's kind of doing things that he even questions himself about, but it's very... Just the traveling of this character, like, it really takes the... The Green Arrow, Green Lantern thing, the the what's, what was the term that they called them? Long traveling heroes, hard traveling oh, that's, heroes. Yeah, that's but that was later after after Neil Adams. Yeah, uh, Dennis O'Neill had uh, left the book. I don't think they ever mentioned that in the book. No, but, but it it takes that that thing of the guy who goes on the road to find himself throughout that yeah. series, yeah. and without and it saying was, it. Yeah, go ahead. It was so good, man. Like he got a lot of hate. Asked that book was coming out because people were like, this is so violent. Like, why? What would, how do you, how does a wicked mind come up with stories like this? Right. 
And he was like, uh, I look at the headlines. <laughs> like, I yeah. look at newspaper headlines. This isn't me making things up. This sex trafficking, all the stuff I'm writing around drugs and stuff. This is what's happening. It's not me coming up with stories. You know, he, yes, he was coming up with characters in situations, but the stories were actually based on real newspaper headlines. Yeah. And people were upset that, I, I don't know, maybe it got too real. I love that. That that to me is the definitive Green Arrow run. I love that run. Yeah, it's, it's tremendous. And he gets into a lot of sociopolitical things with the CIA oh, yeah. or when he's in – like when he starts traveling the world at a certain portion of that story, there's so many things that I learned that I never – would have I didn't know if I would have ever stumbled upon it somewhere else. And when you kind of learn something through a comic book, it's always like, you see, there's a reason we read this stuff. <laughs> it's not just kidding books and people in costumes. I learned about, you know, animal poaching in Africa, understanding kind of right. the economics behind it that I never understood before. I don't know how accurate it was, but it was explained to me in a way that had me rethink what I thought I knew. If that makes Absolutely, sense. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, I do have to get going. No Eric. problem. No problem. Let's um, wrap this up. You wanna Yeah, you, you you tell me and we'll we'll wrap it up. Yeah, no, we're we're good to wrap up. I just thank you for spending this uh, long weekend, yeah, uh, an hour with us today. It's always fun to chit chat. I look forward to Absolutely. more of your episodes and more times that you get to come on our show. Uh, if you need to plug anything, I don't think you need yes, help. Man. But let, let people know where they can uh, follow you and, and uh, keep track of the of the YouTube show. Uh, yeah, I'm on YouTube, Near Mint Condition. That's uh, the channel. And we also have social media, Near Mint Con. It's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You got T- it all. TikTok. I think my wife is trying TikTok for a while. I don't even know how that works, but we're there. <laughs> Just look up Near Mint Condition. All your... Uh, omnibus reviews, overviews, reading lists, all there. It's a one, one-stop shop. Thank you, Omar. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me, and uh, I'd love to come on again. Sounds good. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Rate and review the show, and uh, stay tuned for more Cave of Solitude. We'll talk to you soon.